the, the folks that are, hey, there we go. We, yeah, you can get me a backup just in case. Thank you. Uh, uh, we wanted everybody to hear us. Not, we, I know y'all in the room could hear me, but I wanted the folks by live stream to be able to hear us as well. Praise the Lord. Good to be with you all tonight. And uh, we're expecting great things from God. Uh, we, uh, last time I ministered on Wednesday night was uh, a little while ago. Actually, it was back in, uh, thank you, brother, back in July. And uh, I'll leave this here with my stuff. And uh, I started something on the prayer of faith. And we, we uh, really, we, we just went down to the ground level of it. And I want to pick up on that again tonight. Uh, I, I hate to have so much distance when you're picking up the same subject, but we will do some review tonight. Uh, but I believe the date on that was the 19th of July. And I'm do, I'm pretty good at that because I'm known as the human calendar. So, <laughs> so we'll see if I can keep my track record going there. But uh, if you wanted to, for your own sake, you could go either in the uh, in, in the podcast or on the live stream. Go back to July 19th. Listen to that again. You get a foundation there for where we're going to go ahead and continue to build on here tonight. Um, uh, the the prayer of faith. Uh, we're really approaching it from the angle of the, the, not just, we're, we're not even at the prayer part yet. We're, we're really looking at it from, uh, the, the angle of approaching God, being in the, uh, uh, being able to approach God with confidence, which is huge. Because let me tell you, if you haven't already figured it out, the enemy would love to do anything to hurt your confidence. Any confidence that you have toward God, the enemy would love to hurt that. Take your legs out from underneath you. And the reason why is because in his mind, if he can go ahead and hurt your confidence, if somebody's confidence is hurt, you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to pray. And you think the devil's interested in people not praying and praying effectively? You know he is. So, so he's out to hurt your confidence so that you would not go into the throne room, so that you would not go and approach the Lord, which uh, is it, not just a matter of you approaching him for things that you may need to ask him for, and there's nothing wrong with asking, but, but, but even the idea of approaching him uh, just to say, Lord, I want to be in your presence or, or Lord, uh, I made a mistake and I need mercy. Anything the enemy can do to hurt your confidence and to keep you out of the throne room, he's going to try to do. But what we want to do is establish in this context of the prayer of faith, the, the idea of the very ground level going into God's presence what gives you access? How can you go in there with confidence? Uh, uh, what if you had a bad day? Anybody ever had one of those? I won't look. Oh, boy. I'll just say I've had a few. And then so. <laughs> but thank God that, that even for those of us who have bad days sometimes, that, that does not have to keep you out of the throne room, out of going into the presence of God. So let's go ahead and uh, just uh, 
do a little review, and then we'll build on the foundation of what we got started um, uh, uh, tonight as we go. James chapter 5, verse 13. Glory be to God. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Glory to God. Um, Some things to be said about the prayer of faith. is that um, you can pray the prayer of faith here. It's in the context of praying for somebody who's, who's sick. However, you can pray the prayer of faith in other contexts as well. And then besides that, it is not only the elders of the church who can pray the prayer of faith. In this case, somebody who wanted to, if they were sick, could call for the elders of the church and have them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. But it's not the elders of the church that would save them from their sickness. And it's not the oil that they're anointed with that would save them from their sickness. What would save them from their sickness? Verse 15 says it. And the prayer of faith. If you can go back to 15 real quick. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Hallelujah. You see that? So it's the prayer of faith that changes things. But then it goes on to say something else about this prayer of faith uh, that is uh, very interesting down verse 16. So you can go back to 16 again. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man includes the women too, of a righteous person avails much. Now, one of the number one things that we're going to dig into as we go on tonight is this aspect of righteousness. Because we could think in terms of righteousness as, all right, I'm righteous if I do enough works of righteousness. But the thing is, how do you know when you actually get there? How do you know when you tip the scales? (laughs) Well, when you have uh, enough righteous works to go ahead and outweigh your own righteous works. And some of you, uh, you know, might think of years gone by and think, boy, I got a whole lot of catching up to do. (laughs) Because there's a whole lot of unrighteous works. And if I can uh, try to level, level out what would be a miracle, never mind to get ahead in the righteousness category. But uh, it's interesting. I want to give you a verse that, that we don't have out in the back, but I want you to, to really take note of this. This is Titus chapter 3, verse 5. <coughs> and it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Oh, are you with me? Once again, not by works of righteousness, 
which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Once again, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So the way that you got saved, the way that you actually became a righteous person was not based on works of righteousness because the scripture says in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's useless. It's not good for anything. So our righteousness, our attempt at righteousness it's going to fall flat on the ground. It's not going to go ahead and uh, succeed in any way. It's not going to impress God. It's not going to get you anywhere. But that's all right because our works of righteousness aren't the thing by which we're saved to begin with. We're saved according to his mercy. Hallelujah. And this is the way by which we become righteous. So what does that tell you? that I don't become righteous based on my works of righteousness. So how do I become righteous? You want to know? Stay tuned. (laughs) It's a gift. And we're going to see that very, very clearly tonight. It's a gift of God. Now, in prayer... One can be righteous as far as their status before God is concerned, but not be effective in prayer because their confidence got hurt. And that's one thing that we want to look out for. We want you to have confidence toward God. We don't want your confidence to be hurt. Because if your confidence is hurt, that uh, can have an impact on the effectiveness of your prayer life even though, as far as your status before God, you may be righteous. But the thing is, is that a lot of this has to do more with how you see you, even more than how God sees you. Now, how God sees you is important. And I'm not diminishing that at all. But when it comes to your confidence... God can see you exactly how he sees you with absolute clarity and no doubt about it. But if you don't see you the way God sees you, it will still have a negative impact on your confidence and the the effectiveness of your prayer life. Is somebody in the house tonight? Come on, we're going to go with that. 1 John 3. 1 John 3. A little more review than I usually do just because it was a long time since the first one. And then we'll build on it. First John 3, uh, starting with 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, 
we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, verse 19 talks about us assuring our hearts before him. Verse 20 says this, that if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and knows all things. Then verse 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. That's where we want to get to. We want to get to the point of confidence toward God. So, the idea of your heart condemning you, there's only one thing that can override that when your heart's condemning you, kicking you while you're down. Imagine kicking yourself while you're down. Some of y'all, if you could reach, you would kick yourself, but you can't reach. That's why the Lord designed our bodies the way he did. (laughs) You can't kick yourself in the butt. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But I got to tell you this, uh, the, the idea of uh, having confidence toward God, verse 22 says this, Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Sounds like confidence there, right? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, you can go ahead and say, all right, but but, but wait a minute. Where's my long list of the commandments I need to keep? Well, I might have done this and this and this, but I failed here and here and here. But God defines the commandments that he's talking about. So we don't have to wonder what commandments he's referring to. 23, this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, glory to God. Believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And we spent some time getting into this in our last session back in July. To believe on the name is not just to casually say, oh yeah, I believe that there was a once a guy named Jesus who walked around the earth. No, it's a whole lot more than that. Ooh, is anybody warm here tonight besides me? Uh, can I have a, uh, if, if, if one of my ushers back there can uh, throw the fans on, that would help. Get a little air moving in here because we don't even have fans on tonight. And uh, I don't want y'all to get sleepy. <laughs> John, have you, you know where it's at? Perfect. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Um, to believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. It's not a casual thing. As a matter of fact, one of the things we've referred to is there's other people in the world named Jesus. But when we're talking about Jesus, we're not talking about my, my buddy Jesus from down the street. And Jesus in Hebrew is the name Yeshua, otherwise known as Joshua. So when you're talking about Jesus, you're not talking about your buddy Josh either. 
When you're talking about the name of Jesus and believing on the name of Jesus, you're talking about one particular Jesus, that being Jesus of Nazareth. And you're believing in what sets him apart from everybody else and everything else in the whole universe. You're believing in the something about him, the authority that he's got that causes him to be in a class by himself. Woo, glory to God. And when you're believing on the name of his son, Jesus, you are also at a point where you're, um, uh, how can I say it? You are um, believing in the, the work that he did. Uh, you, you are believing in everything that uh, the scripture says that he did to obtain the name that is above every name. The fact in Philippians 2 gets into this where he, he left behind his mighty power and glory and took on himself the, the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. And, and he, he became a, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But then God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name. So when you're believing on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, you are believing in uh, all that he did in order to obtain that the, the status, uh, the, the glorious status of having the name that is above every other name. Hallelujah. And I want you to understand that. And I want you to understand that when you believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, you're recognizing his authority, which means that when you really believe on the name of the son of God, you are submitting yourself to the son of God in your everyday life. He's the boss. He's the one who calls the shorts, the, the, the shots, not the shorts. Sometimes you try too hard to pronounce your R's. <laughs> but but uh, think about this, that uh, Jesus, when we put our faith in him and when we recognize his authority, we are uh, uh, re- receiving into ourselves everything that he is, everything that he's got. We, we are recognizing his authority and therefore we're not allowing uh, uh, ourselves to go ahead and, and call the shots in our life or make decisions of what we want to do or don't want to do. No, everything gets run by him because we recognize that this one of whom it is said was given the name above every name that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So therefore, recognizing him and putting faith in his name is recognizing his place of lordship. And also this, that when you want to use the name of Jesus to be able to effectively minister to other people, you need to go ahead and be recognizing the authority of the name of Jesus in your own life. Because you know what? If you want to be able to speak to someone who is uh, 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 possessed or oppressed by the devil, you know, the Bible talks about casting out devils. Well, if someone were to cast out a devil uh, uh, or attempt to cast out a devil, I should say, 
and, and they're not recognizing the, 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 the place that Jesus ought to have in their life and submitting to his lordship in their life, uh, you, what's, what's going to happen? The devil's going to say, uh, what's up with you? As a matter of fact, there's a case in the book of Acts where, where there, there were guys, uh, seven sons of a guy named Sceva, and uh, uh, they wanted to just go ahead and do what they saw somebody else do. And, and uh, so they, they went to cast out some devils, and the devil actually spoke right out and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Anybody ever read that in the Bible before? Pretty amazing. <laughs> And you're right, John, they, they put a hurting on them. But, but the thing is, is that when you are subjecting yourself to the authority of Jesus in your own personal life, and then you go to exercise authority over the devil in the name of Jesus, well, you know, he's going to listen to you. He's going to listen to you. Because what do you do first? James showed you how to do it. First of all, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Remember, that's a very specific order for a very specific reason. Because if you want to resist the devil and have him flee, in order to do that successfully, you are submitted to God. Oh, is somebody getting some word tonight? Hallelujah. All right. That's not even the the biggest part of the message, but that's a good bonus right there. So, uh, in order to have this confidence toward God that we want to have, the, the scripture says that if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. How can we get to that point? How can we get to the point where we are so confident about our prayer life that we say, you know, uh, wh- whatever we ask, we receive of him. How, how many people, you know, people can quote that and, and, and say that in a theoretical way. But how many people say that and that's actually the case with them? That's actually the success rate of their prayer life. See, that, that, that's what we want. We want to have a successful prayer life, a fruitful prayer life. You know, in John 15, um, Jesus was talking about bearing fruit and it was right in the same context of prayer. What kind of uh, fruitfulness is he looking for? Well, he's looking for fruitfulness in your character. I mean, obviously the development of the, the fruit of the spirit in your life. But I got to tell you, God is looking for us to have a fruitful prayer life. Amen. So, um, whatever we ask, we receive of him because we Keep his commandments, and this is his commandment, that you believe on the name of the Son of God and that you love one another. Now, believing on the name of the Son of God, um, that's totally up to you to do. Isn't that right? That's totally within your power to believe or not to believe. That's that you would sum that, sum, summarize that under faith which is not just, oh, I believe in, you know, I believe in God, I believe in the word. No, it's not just uh, your, your words without deeds. It's words with deeds. It's uh, what the Bible calls faith with corresponding actions. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. It's not going anywhere. 
But faith with corresponding actions, that means actions that agree with what you say. That means you're, it's not like your words go in one direction and your actions go in the other direction. Come on now. It's your words and your actions going the same direction. Woo! And in that context, glory to God, your faith is alive. It's not dead. We don't want to have dead faith. We want to have a live faith. That's how we have a live faith. Glory to God. We're the same direction that our words are going, our deeds are going. And so we believe in the name of the Son of God and we love one another. But what about loving one another? I want you to realize this, that the love of God, the scripture says, has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. That means when the Holy Spirit moved in, agape moved in. The very love of God moved in to you when the Holy Spirit moved into you. The moment when you became the temple of the Holy Spirit, you became the temple of love. You can't have God in you without having love in you because God is love. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes to this extent. Where Jesus would have said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. John said in his epistle that we know, whoa, not even think so or maybe so. We know that we have passed from death to life, from spiritual death to eternal life. And how do you know that? Because we love the brethren. So, you got those two things that are the commandments he's talking about. But we know that whatever uh, we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those, please, those things that are pleasing in his sight. What are the commandments he's talking about? Those two things. Believing on the name of the Son of God and loving one another and loving one another is not something that you have to try to struggle and figure out how to do on your own. No, because now, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, as a follower of the Lord Jesus, as one who is born again, you now have the nature of your daddy inside of you. You have his DNA inside of you. Peter said it like this, that you've become a partaker of the divine nature So now for you to love is not a stretch. For you to love is not unnatural. As a matter of fact, for you not to love now would be unnatural. That means you're going after your old nature. You're going after the old practice of the way that you used to do things. And you're not going after the new creature that you are now and and the, the new behavior that goes along with the new creature. You know what I mean by that? New behavior that goes along with being a new creature. You know, uh, uh, I I love it. Some gospel songs, you get them saying, the places I used to go, I don't go no more. And the things I used to do, I don't do no more. And you can sing a hundred more verses to it. (laughs) But what is it talking about? It's talking about the change that has taken place because now I'm in Christ before I wasn't in Christ. So therefore I was a mess going somewhere to happen. But now I'm in Christ, glory to God. And because I'm in Christ, I act differently now. 
but I'm not acting differently to try to get a certain status. No, I act, uh, I'm acting the way I do because my status has changed. By receiving him by faith, my status has now changed from unrighteous to righteous. And God changed that status in Christ. And the minute I put my faith in what Christ did for me, my status changed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, still a little more review. But we talked about this as well. Effectiveness through acknowledgement. Effectiveness through acknowledgement. You say, what on earth is that? Well, when you hear this verse, you'll know what we're talking about. Philemon, verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at that in the King James, the original King James Version. That the communication of your faith may become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So the New King James uses the word sharing. Here you see the word communication, that the communication of your faith may become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. These good things that he's talking about acknowledging are not in you because you're cute or because you're nice or or because you came from the right side of the tracks. No, these good things are in you because you are in him. That goes for everybody. You know, and I know, I thank God for people that are raised to be nice and kind and polite and respectful. But But here's the thing. A lot of times you can go ahead and have some... Uh, mannerisms that are are more window dressing than anything else. You can have some people that are raised to be nice and polite and respectful. And then as soon as you turn your back, they'll say, bless your heart. And for for anybody that's been uh, introduced to a little uh, 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 Southern culture, you know that is not uh, a blessing. That that's communicating something else when they say, bless your little heart. <laughs> so you, you can, uh, we're not talking about window dressing or things that are uh, just showing a nice appearance of veneer on the outside when you got something rotten on the inside. No, we're talking about being in Christ. We're right down to the core things are changed. Where, where uh, the, the very, very heart of you is changed. And so, therefore, you, uh, you, you don't have a veneer, you know, that is uh, covering up something that is rotten on the inside. No, the, the very core of you has been changed. The very core of you, the heart of you ha- has become a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus. And therefore, you, you're not changing from the outside in. When you're in Christ, you change from the inside out. We're, we're now that I have a new heart that, 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 that he took out of me the, the stony heart and put in me a heart of flesh. Well, in the sense that flesh is soft and pliable and, and, uh, uh, you can't do that with a stone. What I can do with my arm here, 
You know, I can squeeze and I can mold and I can, uh, uh, you know, do things that I can't do with a rock. The rock ain't moving, you know. And so that's why God used that analogy that I've taken out of you the stony heart and I've given you a heart of flesh. Glory to God forever. And so therefore, that change is not behavior modification. No, it's heart, new heart, new creature on the inside. And as a result of that, now on the outside, you do things different. One way I heard it said, which is so good, I got to just put it out to you again. That good works is not the root of your salvation. Good works is the fruit of your salvation. It's not the root of your salvation. It's the fruit. Which means you don't have your good works first. And then you obtain salvation by your good works. No, you, you have salvation first. And then as a result of you being a new person, now you act differently. Now you talk differently. Now you can love people that you used to want to go ahead and take them out behind the building. Praise the Lord. So these good things are in you because you are in him. Now, if the communication of your faith can be effective by acknowledging what is in you in Christ then it can also be ineffective by a failure to acknowledge what is in you in Christ. Listen to me real close. I want you to get that. Put up that verse again. Uh, the, the Philemon 1.6. Perfect. So if the communication of your faith can become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ, then if you're not acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ, then rather than it being effective, it is ineffective. You can figure that out, right? That's not difficult. If you're not acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ, then the communication of your faith would be ineffective. But if you are acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ, then the communication of your faith is effective. Are you with me on that? Now, glory to God. The primary thing, but, but by the way, before I say that, let me say this. God's Acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ is not what this is about because he already does. He acknowledges what's in you. He's the one who made the change in you. He's the one who put the good stuff in you. This is not about his acknowledgement of it. This is about our acknowledgement of what he did. So you can say, uh, well, uh, uh, I am a, a no good nobody who am absolutely worthless and you think that by putting yourself down that that's some kind of humility. But the thing is what many people do is when they get into that mode they start talking them, in them, about themselves 
in terms that absolutely disagree with what God says about them. Well, 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 let me talk to you tonight. We got to agree with God. Someone help me say it. We've got to agree with God. That means that what you say about you needs to be the very same thing that the Lord says about you. All right. Let's see. It's 809. You go, y'all got 21 more minutes, right? We're, we're going to make it till 830. Hey, God, I'm getting stronger as we go tonight. Come on. So glory to God forever. Uh, when we realize that it's our acknowledging the good things that we have in Christ that causes our communication of our faith, the sharing of our faith to become effective. Does God want you effective? Absolutely. We talked about fruitfulness before. Remember that? Fruitfulness and effectiveness, you can say, are uh, synonymous, talking about the same thing. But now as we look a little bit further, and and we're going to go ahead and spend some time here, that the primary thing that we must acknowledge that we have in us because of our being in Christ is righteousness. Of all the things that we need to acknowledge about ourselves, I'd say number one on the list and, and maybe, maybe one that, that uh, um, is really, it, it covers a whole lot of territory, is just that righteousness. For you to acknowledge that of the good things I have in Christ, one thing I know for sure is I have righteousness. I've got a righteous status with God. I've got a righteous position before God. And you realize that you're acknowledging that is you, it's not about you being prideful or thinking of yourself more than you ought to think. No, it's you thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you. And how important is righteousness? Because without it, you have no standing before him. We're talking about confidence, having confidence toward God, right? Well, without this, you have no standing. You have no standing. You have no confidence. But there are people who have this standing, but they don't recognize it and acknowledge it. And because they don't acknowledge it, they still have no confidence. Is anybody hearing me tonight? So if you don't recognize this and acknowledge it, then you are still going to be without confidence, And without confidence, as Philemon said, you're also going to be ineffective instead of effective. Rather than to be able to communicate your faith effectively, you put an end on effectively because you are not acknowledging what God said about you and what God's put in you. So now, let's take a look. Romans 5, 1 through 2. And we're talking about the approach to God. We're talking about what qualifies you to be able to go into his presence? What qualifies you to be able to go before him? Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
justified by faith. And I used this term back in our last session back in July that uh, you could say it like this, to, to be justified, you can say is to be justified, never sin. Are you with me on that? You, you made that little connection. To be justified is to be just, if I'd never sin. Glory to God. Justified literally means to be made righteous. You are made righteous by faith. You put faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross and in his redemption, his work of redemption to, to, to rescue us and to redeem us back out of the hand of the enemy. And we've been made righteous by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So the whole idea of the righteousness and the access has nothing to do with what you did, but it has something to do with what he did for you. And when you put your faith in what he did for you, you receive the status of righteousness before God, of being righteous before God. But you also are now granted access into this grace in which we stand. Granted access. Have you ever seen some of those movies like those Mission Impossible type movies and, you know, or, or other things like it? And you see, uh, you know, they're trying to break the code and get in the computer and, uh, you know, access denied. Access denied. And then somehow, you know, for, for some wild reason, they take a guess and actually guess it right. And then it says access granted. Well, you are not trying to figure out the password to get in here. All you got to do is realize this, that the password ain't you. (laughs) The password has nothing to do with you or what you could ever do. The password has everything to do with him. When you put your faith in him and what he did, when you go ahead and realize, Lord, I have no standing before you except the standing I have by the blood. On my worst day, I have no standing before you except by the blood. And on my best day, I have no standing before you except by the blood. And what do you see? You don't hear the uh, access denied. No, you hear an absolute ding, 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 access granted. Because that's how you get access. Glory to God. By faith in him, faith in what he did, that's the thing that gives you access. Glory to God. You cannot obtain this status, but you can receive this status. Let me explain the difference. You cannot obtain it, but you can receive it. To obtain it means to try to do something to earn it or to get there. You can't do that, but you can receive it. God's gift to you. Now, right now, you know, we'll, we'll go to Ephesians 3. That's all right. I was going to skip it, but I want to go there. Ephesians 3, 11 and 12. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom Christ, that's who the whom is, it's Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. 
Say it like this. Boldness. Go ahead and say it with me. Boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Say it again. Boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. One more time. Boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Wow. That's huge. Glory to God. That is how we get in. We have boldness and access with confidence, but, but how, how, how is that, how is that possible? Only one way. Through faith in him. Through faith in him. Through faith in what he did. Through faith in the blood. You realize that everything he did to redeem you and to go ahead and get you out of the mess you were in and bring you into his presence and change who you are, it is done. But it's not done by any other means except that you just say, Lord, you did that for me so that I could be new. You did that for me so that I could be changed. I believe it. It's like as simple as saying, okay, if you say so, If you say so, oh, if we could have the faith of a child, somebody, are you feeling that? Uh, If you say so, dad, okay, that's all I needed. All I need to know is dad said it. I'm good. Hallelujah. Now I want to get into this as we wrap up tonight. And uh, this is pretty amazing. We're talking about access and uh, access being granted And I want to take a look at something in the Old Testament that will lead us up to the point of seeing an amazing New Testament reality. Something that uh, you'd almost read right over and not make the connection. But I want to go ahead and see this connection tonight. This is amazing. And what we're talking about, we're talking about access to God. And we're talking about having confident access towards God. All right? The book of Esther. How many of you have read Esther in the last week? But you've read Esther before, but but not recently. Well, you, you're going to go ahead and remember this. I'm sure it'll stir up some memory of you. And if you if you haven't read Esther before, this will give you a little education. Esther 4 and verse 11. Now, this is talking about the protocol of entering the presence of the king. All right. Good time for some water. Here we go. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know. That means this is common knowledge. Everybody knows this. That any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. All right? So we don't have to read the rest of it. But right there, you see what was protocol, common knowledge, that if anybody goes into the the inner court to the king, who's not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one 
to whom uh, the king holds out the golden scepter. All right. Next chapter, Esther 5, look at verse 2. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. All right? Follow the theme. Verse, uh, now we'll go to Esther 8, 3 to 4. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. It's interesting. You see in Esther 5.2 that when the king held out the golden scepter, it said Esther went near. And in Esther 8 and verse 4, when the king held out the golden scepter, Esther arose and stood before the king. All this protocol and, you know, the, the pomp and circumstance and, you know, the, the, the fear and trembling of dare going into the king when you're not invited to go there. And if the king does not hold up the golden scepter, then rather than the access being granted, you have the opposite. The flashy red lights, eh, eh, access denied. How does this relate? Anybody want to know? Y'all ready for this? Hebrews 1, verse 8. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. That means that now, when you enter the presence of God on the basis of the blood, on the basis of putting your faith in him and recognizing what he's done and recognizing that the only way you could ever have this access is that it is a gift given to you, nothing you could ever earn. At that moment, the king holds out his golden scepter, the scepter of righteousness. And when he does that to you, he's recognizing that you are righteous, that you are uh, as, as righteous as he himself is, because he's given you not some other righteousness, not righteousness 2.0. No, he's given you his very own righteousness. And we're going to see that here in a few minutes. And so therefore you have access. Therefore you can do what Esther did. You can draw near, you can stand before the king. Now I got to tell you, I believe in bowing before the king. I believe in worshiping the king. But there's also something about standing before the king. 
uh, where, where, where you, you know that, that, that you can stand confidently, that, that, that you know that you have standing with him, that, that, that he, he longs not just to look at the top of your head as you're bound, but he longs to look into your eyes. He longs to look into your face. He wants you to seek his face. What a beautiful thing. Glory to God. But the, the king, our king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he's got a scepter too, a scepter of righteousness. And when he holds out that scepter, glory to God, access granted, access granted, access granted, glory to God. God so wanted to grant us confident access that he made sure that we were equipped with the very thing. I, 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 I really want you to get this. I'm going to start reading this again. This is so important. God so wanted to grant us confident access that he, he made sure that we were equipped with the very thing that would cause him to grant us access. He knew that if we were righteous, then we'd be admitted entrance. He knew if we were righteous, then he could grant us access. So therefore, he made sure that we were equipped with his very own righteousness so that he could grant us access. Because he's not trying to keep you out. No, he's trying to open the door so you can come in. Glory to God forever. So let's see. Two last verses before we close tonight. I'm going to skip 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to go to Isaiah 54, 17. What did God do? No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So where, where'd you get your righteousness from? <laughs> where'd you get that from? You got it from him. Absolutely, straight from him. The very same kind that he's got. The very same righteousness he's got. Glory to God. Actually, you know what, Brian? Go ahead to 2 Corinthians 5 after all. If you can backtrack one. For he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, the one who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not a different version. The very, very same righteousness. The righteousness of God. And finally, Romans 5. This will be our last verse. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. This is a gift. This is a gift. This is a gift. This is God's free gift to you. He has given you his very own righteousness. And by that, you have access. By that, you can draw near. By that, you can stand before him. By that, you have standing before him. Glory be to God forever. This is the reality of what he's done. 
and how to have confidence, a whole lot has to do with this right here. If you have confidence, not in you, just for the sake of having confidence in you, but you've got confidence that you are invited to this party. You've got confidence that you are welcome to enter because you put your faith in him. And uh, you know what? Uh, how many of you have ever rented a car before? How many of you have ever gotten a free upgrade before? Well, this is more than a free upgrade. This is more than an upgrade. This is more than going from, from a, uh, driving around a Volt <laughs> to a Cadillac SUV. Come on, somebody. No, this, this is bigger than that. This is more than an upgrade. This is absolutely amazing. This is blow your mind almost too good to be true, but it is true because God said it. Hallelujah. And when we come to him, we come to him in faith, in faith, having faith in what Jesus did, having faith in what Jesus uh, purchased for us with his own blood. And therefore, we go into the presence of God. We can go like we belong. We can go like we have an invitation because you do. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You're invited. You're invited. And here's the thing. You're not just invited. You're qualified. Because this invitation uh, requires a certain qualification. Uh, th- this, this invitation requires a certain qualification. If I, I want to make sure I said that right. And God, wanting so much for you to come in, made sure that you fulfilled the qualifications by making available to you the same righteous status that he has. Wow, glory to God. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we honor you. We're so thrilled. Lord, it's amazing what you've done. It's amazing what is ours. The fact that right now in this place that we can stand before God and approach you is absolutely amazing to us. But we know that it's available and only by one means, through our faith and the redemptive work of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we honor you and thank you so much. Lord, may this truth resonate in our hearts. May it stick with us. Lord, Lord, may, may, may we... Always keep this before us and never take for granted even the opportunity to go to you in prayer, to go to you and make requests, to go to you and just bow and worship. The idea of approaching you at all is amazing and it's only available because of your gift of righteousness. We are so thrilled, Lord, so grateful, so honored that you would love us this much. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God forevermore. Anybody blessed tonight? Well, I got to tell you, you want to be blessed? (laughs) Let's talk about giving. Talk about blessing. We've got to talk about giving. If you've got your tithes and offerings with you tonight, uh, if you've already given on Sunday, that's fine. But if you want to give again, you can do that. Uh, We've got all of our uh, electronic means of giving. FaithCenter.com if you want to give directly on the website or give through the app, give via text, or you can go ahead and uh, grab an envelope on the back tables 
and uh, fill it out and put a uh, cash or check in there. If you're writing out a check, make it payable to FCC and put that in the offering container on the way out. Uh, you, you want to be blessed, glory to God. What a way to be blessed, to give to the work of God and to be a financial partner with God. It's good to be a financial partner with somebody who owns everything. Come on now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, we love y'all. We're excited about all the good things that are going on around Faith Christian Center. And I encourage you to stay tuned in. Uh, if you're not on our email list to get announcements, uh, you, you know, uh, we can make sure that you're on there. You, you can go ahead and either talk to me tonight or uh, call the offices. We'll get you on the list. And look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Love you all. God bless. Have a great night.